This is episode 55 of Bella in Your Business. Welcome to Bella in Your Business, where Bella will discuss anything and everything about your pet sitting business to help you land on target. So get ready. Bella's got your shoot. Let's jump. Welcome to Bella in Your Business. My name is Bella Vasta, and today I have Paul Adams with me. Paul and I actually met at Social Media Marketing World in March, and I'm so excited to have him on here because we've never really actually talked about finance on the podcast yet, and we're over 50 episodes now. So it's about time to sit down, relax, and get your mind blown because we're going to really get into it. Paul is actually the president and founder of Sound Financial Group, where he and his team help take clients and give them healthy balance sheets, stop forfeiting money unnecessarily to the IRS. We all talk about that in our groups and how to build and protect the plans for their future. The cornerstone of his advice relies on the belief that people should always make their financial decisions based on indisputable math, which I love it because I'm the one that's always saying, guys, look at the numbers, and independent scholarship, and not based off of media hype, hearsay, trends, or I'm going to put in there what your friend on Facebook is saying to do. Paul is also an accomplished speaker, which I love about him because you all know that that's my next step, and the author of Two Essential Financial Guides. The first one is Stop Burning Your Money, and the second one is Sound Financial Advice. And in 2016, he was also interviewed by Forbes Entrepreneur and Inc. magazines. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Paul. How are you? I'm so good and so much better. I got to tell you, can I want to just bring you with me everywhere I go? That is (laughs) just the most well-spoken introduction I think I've ever had. Oh, thank you so much. Let's take our listeners back, and can you tell us who you are, and how you've built the freedom in your life to travel. Because what people don't know, and I'm sure you'll tell us about, you just say the heck with it. You live a minimalistic life and get in your RV and go with your family for weeks around the country. So break that down for us and let us know like a little bit about your lifestyle and how you lead your family. Well, I would say probably the thing that separates us the most is we talk a lot about cultivating contentment, not just with our clients, but my wife and I are just on our own time. Mm-hmm. Why that's been so important to us is there's high social pressure occupations. Mine is one of them. High social pressure occupations, as defined by Dr. Thomas Stanley, who wrote the book, The Millionaire Next Door and the book Stop Acting Rich. He talked about the fact that these high pressure occupations, doctors, architects, attorneys, financial advisors, folks like that tend to spend more money because society judges them based upon the car they drive and whether or not they're successful. And yet what that's actually doing is like rotting out the inside of their balance sheet most of the time. And it was about five years ago that I got exposed to the book, Stop Acting Rich. Prior to that, my wife and I had made some significant adjustments to the way that we live. I had a mentor who made seven figures a year was uh, just a great father and husband, but he had in the little town that we lived in a very, very normal house. It was nice, but it was normal. And 2,400 square feet with a family of four, and it was well-appointed normal. He had a nice car paid for. He had a van for his wife paid for. And it kind of in the midst of all of that. Now, he had some other luxuries like a hangar in an airplane, but it was an older airplane. It was uh-huh. like a 1980 something Cessna. But all of that really reset me to go, wait, maybe I don't have to live the way people live. But the problem it created for me 
was I would still feel a little bit less than when I went from driving a BMW to driving a Camry. Mm-hmm. I made that shift. There was a less than feeling that I had when somebody just pull up next to me. And the book, Stop Acting Rich, really shifted it for me and my wife. And we said, what we're going to do is live as an example to people because there aren't a lot of real good ones out there of people that are earning top 1% income in high social pressure occupations who are then living humbly because all the people that my wife and I know who are doing it are real quiet about it. And I'm actually lucky enough on our podcast, we're going to have one of those guys who just successfully sold a company to a, if I remember right, it's a Google subsidiary and he still lives off $26,000 a year, but he doesn't tell anybody. Gosh, that's incredible. And why don't we, all of my podcast listeners, they have become like rabid fans of just podcasting, which I love you guys. Like keep listening and turn off like CNN and just listen to podcasts in the car. Yes. Paul, what is your podcast? Tell everyone right now, since we mentioned it. Oh, it's called Sound Financial Bites, you can find it right on iTunes, SoundCloud, all of them. Our YouTube channel, the Sound Financial Group YouTube channel now is, we're starting to drop the video versions of all those podcasts. So if you're a YouTube awesome. Red user and you use that to listen to stuff. But fundamentally, we just, we try to get the message across that right. to take good care of your future, fundamentally, you cannot act like everybody else is acting because they're not taking care of their future. Amen. Amen. I mean, like it's stop keeping up with the Joneses and figure out what you really want out of life. How do the roles of finances play into our own business? So that's your personal life. And our listeners are all business owners. How can we translate that to our business life? So I think the biggest listening to your podcast, I think it was episode, I'm looking at my notes, <laughs> 51. That was when you interviewed the gentleman, David on Barnett, selling the business. On yes. selling businesses. Yes. That was pivotal. You know, a lot of people, I, I love that episode. And what got us picked up by Forbes Inc. Entrepreneur, heck, even Huffington Post of all places did an interview was all on this idea that as a business owner, you're never going to build financial independence on the business balance sheet. It's just not how it works. Mm -hmm. Your financial independence will always be produced on your personal balance sheet. And every business owner says to themselves, what I'm going to do is build this business. One day I'll sell the business and then I'm going to retire as if those are causative, like one causes the other when at best they're only correlated because people retire and they don't retire well and they only retire because they sold the company that they worked for. Yeah. And so realizing that whether you are a business owner, like your listeners who are building up a business, paying better attention to their finances, et cetera, that income they produce must translate to personal balance sheet assets. No different than if somebody works for Amazon and they're making half a million dollars a year. That's great. The problem is if they're working for Amazon, making half a million dollars a year, what's going to happen is that Amazon stock could have something go really wrong with it. They're counting on the Amazon stock. And even if they retire and walk away and the Amazon stock is worth a lot, they still need to sell it Mm -hmm. and put it on their balance sheet for income. You can't retire on your business balance sheet until it's converted to personal balance sheet. So I would say the biggest impact of personal finance on any business owner's balance sheet is that we must transition the money. Working with you and Jump Consulting in a way that increases profitability, that increases enterprise value, that gives you more autonomy and freedom, all of it, so that either you can run the business with autonomy and not have to stop, but more importantly, that when you do, because someday we all do, making sure 
that you're put in a position that your personal balance sheet will be able to produce the financial independence that the business balance sheet never will. Now, let me make sure I'm understanding this correctly and put it into perspective for our clients. In simple terms, what Paul is saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I might be Mm -hmm. wrong here, is you're saying that no matter how successful you think that your business is with your balance sheet, your your statements there, what really matters is the amount of money that's getting passed through to you as the business owner in your personal paycheck, essentially the profit, that you can show someone when you sell your company, hey, I can make $90,000 a year clear and free and there's actually still money left over in the business, you know, or something like that. Is that the idea that you're saying right now? That's part one of the idea. The okay. second part is, is that once that 90,000 crosses the threshold from your business to your personal balance sheet, you have got to be setting aside part of that and investing it. Sure. So there's like a two part piece. One, we have to have the business be able to cash flow and really make money. Yeah. Versus when people hire three, four, five employees. And then they just kind of get an ego about the fact that they have a company. I have 10 employees. Like, who cares? (laughs) Uh, And I have friends that are business owners that in a certain way, they're rocking it because they look great because they have 50, 60 people working for them. Yeah. But when it comes to the amount of profit they have, I think of it like it's balancing on a razor's edge of all this overhead that they've embraced. So that's part one. You got to have income drop to you because it's not going to be worth to somebody else. It's going to be worth anything to anybody else if you can't show that it's profitable to you. Number two is you've got to have enough profit after you're spending to drop it into investments so that your personal balance sheet also grows. Yeah, I love that. I really, I mean, this is something that I know our audience, it's kind of basic, but at the same time, it's so foundational that I hope that our listeners are understanding. We have a lot of Facebook groups, Paul, and a lot of people are, oh my gosh, you have like 10 employees. Wow. Like people see employees as a success. And while it is definitely a success in one way, it's much like your BMW and your Camry, you know, example that brings it back home. And I hope you really think about, I always tell people all that glitters is in gold guys. And that's great, but know who you're following and really understand because you know, just because someone might have 50 employees. And I just love that you said that because I don't know, sometimes I feel like I'm a parent where your parents could tell you something, but if someone comes in and tells you the same thing, you're like, Oh, really? So thank you for saying that. That's such a great thing. Let's talk about why is it so hard for the self-employed to pay themselves? Why is it hard for us to actually bring that money from the business into our own and then also invest it? Well, I recently heard this as the myth around trickle down economics and this idea that people say, well, what you do is you're really giving more opportunity to the business owner that bleeds down to everybody else. And that's actually not accurate. What happens is when you're a business owner and you have expenses and you have employees and all these things, you're actually the last one to ever be paid. Like meaning everybody else is in line. So when we talk about the people that are employees and how they're cared for, it's like, Well, there are months that I've made no money and all my employees still get their paychecks. If I had to take it out of savings early on, they still got their paychecks, even if I didn't take any money home. And we get so adapted to doing that. And then for some people, I think there can even be a psychology behind it where, especially when you start making real money and it's, and you've never made as much, you just cross a threshold that to you as a personal set point. Like I've never weighed less than X. And once you get below that, you just level back up to where you were. (laughs) 
the same thing can happen with money where it's like, oh, now I'm making this amount a month. I've never made that much before. And we'll find a way to consume that in the business if we're not careful and we don't have a personal strategy we've set aside. So what I would say that helps insulate people from that is we have to do what our mission statement is as a firm to design and build a good life, which means sit back enough before you even do your business plan and think about, I need to design what I want my life to look like first. Yes. And then when you've done that and you're starting to achieve those things that you set out to not like, Oh, it's amazing. It rained today. Like that's why I made so much money this month. Like it's not weather that we can't control. This is something you did. You controlled, you built, you now are making the money and you have a plan for it when it hits your personal paycheck or it hits the K one and you distribute the money to yourself. Yes. That is what makes the difference. Not this amorphous guilt of I've never made this much for, or worse yet, you love your employees And as a new business owner, you're saying to yourself, like, I love them so much and I feel bad. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel bad making, you know, three times as much as any of my employees. Yeah. You have to stay centered in the fact that you took, you still have all the risk. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if you have a bad month or something else, you're still sending them a check and they are never going to send you a check in a bad month. I love this. Paul, we've never talked anything like this on these podcasts. And I I know that this is going to be very popular and people are going to want to listen again. I love what you're saying about figure out what kind of lifestyle you want, because I think not a lot of us actually dial into that. We just kind of keep thinking, Ooh, I got more money now. I can buy more stuff, you know? And if we realize that when we reach this plateau of, you know what? I don't need any more stuff. I can be happy right here. The more money we make, that can be that number two you were talking about. Yes. Throwing it into the savings, the investments, the future wealth, you know, and we all answer that very differently. And I don't think it's anything that we ever consciously make a decision about. Now, when I start working with people, I always say, you know, how much do you want to make? Like, where is your lifestyle? And it's the hardest question for people. So I want you to think about that during the break we're going to take now. I also... Obviously, you're going to need more than 60 seconds to think about that. I want you to really think about it. But when we come back, Paul, I want to talk about the consequences. I want to talk about what happens if a business owner doesn't do that homework I just gave them. We'll be right back. Want to get yourself or your staff pet first aid CPR certified, but don't know how? Gone are the days of having to take off a day of work just to go sit in a classroom. Take it online. Pro Pet Hero is a veterinarian trained program given in modules that test your knowledge of the material at the end of each section. Pro Pet Hero can even give you a certificate to show all your clients and post it on your website. Imagine future clients being drawn to you because of your extensive knowledge. Sign up today, www.jumpconsulting.net forward slash CPR. That's jumpconsulting.net forward slash CPR. Use coupon code CPR-PETSITTER for 10% off. And I'm back with Paul Adams. (laughs) And we are talking everything about money. He is the president and founder of Sound Financial Group. And Paul, we just got into a really good about trying to figure out where you want your lifestyle to be so that we can, you know, live a fruitful life. But let's talk about the consequences, Paul. What happens if a business owner does not focus on making their business financially fit? Oh, my goodness. Number one, they look really, really good for a very long time. Like, I think that's the thing nobody talks about. Yeah. It's like the dirty underside of it is it actually works out really, really good for a long time. And let me, it's one of the major problems people have in dealing with money and finance, even as business owners, is that the feedback loop is too long. Uh So for instance, 
Bella, if you just treated your husband super crummy for like all weekend, it will actually maybe just a day and there's a feedback loop that will show up. Or if he treats you badly, his feedback loop is going to show up and he'll go like, Oh, that was a terrible idea. I shouldn't do that. And then if on the flip side, if you did that with eating, if you had a, like you drink a ton tonight, you'll feel terrible tomorrow morning. If you eat terribly for a few days, the weight starts packing on, you feel terrible. All the feedback loops we have are relatively short in life, except one. The feedback loop on finance in the way that we feel is awesome Uh to spend pretty much all of our margin for 40 years. And then it sucks all at once. There's no feedback loop that helped us out the whole time. It's just a long time of everything being wonderful and then it crashes. So the problem is, and the thing that I would say if people don't take care of their finances, you move into the future and there's this person you're going to meet one day and they're the older you and the older (laughs) you, you owe some money to, and it's not a small amount for every $40,000 of income you want to replace. That's been your human capital at work. It's going to take $1 million of assets to offset that $40,000. So we can invest that or you can go invest it somewhere and take 4% off a year. It doesn't matter if it's real estate, doesn't matter if it's stocks, 4% a year is the max you can take out and have the money last. So here's the problem. We're relating to it like the $40,000 a year and we need to relate to it as a million. So if you're making $100,000 a year right now, that means it's $2.5 million that needs to be stacked up somewhere for you to be able to be okay. And to the business owner, you're not going to sell your business for 25 times earnings. You can have it. (laughs) You can have it add to the stack. If you were almost there and you had your 2.2 million and you need to close the rest of the gap, that's possible. What's not possible to do is close the gap entirely. So the thing that people don't think about is not taking care of your finances has no real consequences at all until you arrive there, you meet your future self and you owe them money. I love the imagery of that. That's really yeah. good image. It's a really good image. But I know that all of a sudden people are sticking their heads in the sand right now. They're saying, no, no, Bella, Paul, you guys were so good up till now. I can't do this. I don't know how to comprehend this in my daily life. How do we comprehend this in our daily life? So the easiest thing I think to do is to put yourself in a position where you set up number one. I know this sounds crazy. I'm going to point everybody to a resource. So they can get their hands on something but you need to stop saving money to do this. Okay. So to pull this off, we can no longer think of setting aside money for savings. Now here's the problem. If you're setting aside money for savings, what will happen is you're going to be absolutely and totally focused on savings, which means if you need to save more money, what do people focus on? Expenses. If you're focused on expenses, you're going to get more expenses if that's the only thing you're after. So if you've ever taught a 16 year old to drive a car, and you say, don't hit the curb, watch the curb, watch the herb, curb, don't hit the curb. What do they do? They hit the hit curb. The curb. <laughs> so we need to stop focusing on savings because if you look at, and when I talk to rooms of hundreds of people and say, what is it most people sometimes do with their savings? The answer is always some version of spend it. So what I would encourage your listeners to do is set up what we call a wealth coordination account. It's just a separate checking account at your bank. It's nothing you set up with an advisor. And you begin setting money into that and with its whole purpose being, I must buy assets with this. And if you want to go deeper into that, our episode number 44, why a wealth coordination account 
will give you the step-by-step of everything to do, how to think about assets differently, and how to pull yourself out of this spending culture that the financial institutions have got us in because it works best for them actually for us to continue to keep money in motion and spend it and borrow than it does for us to save and accumulate it. And that podcast will give everybody what they need for first steps going on from here, but stop saving money, start building assets. I love that. And I think that's definitely like breaking it down into an easy enough term. And I definitely want to go back and listen to that. So for any of you listening right now, we're definitely, we'll put that in the show notes so that you can listen to it as well. The next time you're meal prepping, doing laundry, driving, walking the dog, anything. So as we conclude, Paul, my final question for you is I love Luke 1610 when talking about building wealth. Can you share your thoughts on how that pertains to building business and wealth? So Luke 1610 Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little is also dishonest with much. The thing is that if you are not taking care of your personal cash flow, whether that's actually your business cash flow and your work with Bella and building your business, you will not be able to have a business successful enough that it increases and you're able to keep a big chunk of that increase. But your personal life is equally true. We meet many people, and I'm talking people making six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars a year. And those folks are just a bigger version of broke because they yeah. still don't have the balance sheet to support their level of lifestyle and they're not saving enough money. And while they may have more income, they don't have more assets despite the fact they may have doubled their income since just a few years ago. Yeah. And so where I think that that keeps us anchored is this internal problem that we as individuals are in a position that we must be good stewards of what we have, regardless of your faith, regardless of your your testimony for faith. It matters how you treat your money because money runs away from the people that don't know how to treat it. I love it. And I've always remembered that. And I learned it a long time ago in Crown Financial when I took it in my early 20s at church. And it's so true. Like if you can't manage $10, then it doesn't matter if you have a million dollars because your habits of managing your money, no matter how little or how much, are going to be the same. So you've got to get financially fit. You've got to build up those reps, you know, and really learn. Paul, it's been an actual pleasure having you on the show. I know that you have a freebie giveaway for anyone who wants it. Well, actually not anyone. It's one. So all you got to do is just email me, bella at jumpconsulting.net to redeem it. But why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners what you have for them today? Well, I wanted to just take care of people, help you be able to take better care of your future and finances. Our typical client are households that make between 300000 and a million five a year of income, which is why I wrote a book so that people at all levels of income and success are going to be able to take something and do with it. But just because those of you listening to Bella know how lovable and how great and how sharp she is. And I just, frankly, anybody that wants to work with her, I want to help. So uh, we're going to actually give Bella a PDF version of my book, Sound Financial Advice, which you can also get on Kindle or Amazon, all that. But we're going to just equip her with that so that she can use that to help all of you to continue to build your personal balance sheet through time. Awesome. Thank you, Paul. That's amazing. And go ahead and remind everyone how they can listen to your podcast, how they can. I know you're starting this new thing. Why don't you tell everyone about that and how they can connect with you? Yeah. So you can find us, our new blog for my wife and I about our 
living radically within our means can be found at momentsofwealth.com. We also have my financial advising firm you can find at soundfinancialbites.com. That'll just take you to our blog portion of our page. Our firm is called Sound Financial Group. We're located in Seattle, working with clients across the country, and we do all of our work by web-based meetings so that we support our clients no matter where they are and no matter where we are so that both you and us can live location independent and have that level of freedom. Fantastic. It's been such a blessing having you on. Thank you for your time. I hope you guys have loved this as much as I've loved it. You might even want to go back and listen to it again. I think I will. And I hardly ever listen to my podcasts again. This has been another episode of Bella in Your Business. Please don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Share it out with your friends. And remember to always keep jumping. Thanks for jumping with Bella in your business. For more information, free articles, free coaching sessions, and more, go to jumpconsulting.net. And remember, Bella's got your shoot.